Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Well, it's nice to meet you virtually, and thanks for doing this. Um, thanks for having me. Very welcome. And let's get started. Kind of, let's start everyone off with what your thoughts or what your definition of emotional eating is. How about that? Sure. Yeah. I, um, you know, I didn't think of myself as an emotional eater, and I think a lot of people don't. Um, I thought I just liked food, but after I observed my eating for a while within the context of emotional eating, I came to see that my food choices weren't, you know, they, they weren't always based on nutritional need. Like I would eat beyond what I needed nutritionally. So I'd stuff myself. I was a binge eater. Um, and so I ate too much often. Like I'd go overboard, overshoot the mark, so to speak. Um, if I had a bag of chips, I I had to eat the whole bag. Like I'd intend to eat just a few and I'd end up eating the whole bag or, you know, pint of ice cream. I'd have a bowl, but I go back and I'd end up eating the whole pint. Eventually I just took the lid off and had a spoon, <laughs> you know? Um, so a lot of overeating, um, but just eating like snacking, eating at night, like ha- like after dinner, just continuing on or going downstairs in the middle of the night and doing some nighttime eating, Um, So it's basically, by definition, really eating in response to your emotions in an attempt to anesthetize or numb emotions. And so that's why it's sort of initially people don't necessarily think of themselves as that way. It's like, no, I just like chocolate, you know, but if it's if food isn't a constant obsession, like you think about food a lot or you obsess about your weight and and you want to eat more, um, you know, so generally, it, it is in response to one's emotions. It's just that people aren't tapped into that or tuned into that. But probably by the end of this conversation, people might be a little bit more in tune. So this was something you dealt with personally. Is this all your life? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was an emotional eater, I think, from the get go. I mean, as far back as I can remember, I remember just being like in love with food. I just love to eat. I love to cook. I love to serve it to other people, go out to dinner. I would have heart palpitations when my family was going out to dinner. So it was definitely a highlight for me. And as I said, I thought I just like food, but weight was an issue for me. So I genetically, you know, both my parents had weight issues. And so I definitely struggled with weight as well. And, but when I started adolescence and so by age 21, I was 50 pounds overweight and I, you know, I, 
tried so many diets. I mean, the first thing you do is you go on a diet, you know, you change your eating, you do exercise programs, gyms, and this kind of thing. And, and I did all that, but I'd always like give up, you know, like I do it for a little while and then I just get exhausted. Like, especially with the, you know, the food plan, like I'd have a restrictive food plan, but after a while I'd be like, I want my chocolate, you know, I want my ice cream, I want my cookies. And so I was really definitely a sugar addict. So I loved my sugar, but it was hard for me to eat just a little bit. So I'd go overboard, um, and eat too much. So definitely something I struggled with. I hated being overweight. It was really, really uncomfortable for me. I had a roll in my tummy that I would scrunch up in my hands and imagine cutting off. Like you, you cut fat off the side of a steak, you know, or I'd think about getting some disease where I'd automatically lose weight without having to diet. So I had some crazy thoughts, but it was really just cause I was, I, I couldn't control it. Like I, I do good for a time, but I always broke out and binge. And so this was a cycle for me. And I had about five different sizes of pants in my closet because I was a yo-yoer. So I'd like, I'd lose 30 pounds. Then I'd be up 20 down 10 up 30. So I was doing the yo-yo thing for a long time. And so I never knew what size I was going to be. And so I, that's why I had to have different sizes in my closet. So, so I was definitely an emotional eater. And it wasn't until I really tuned into the fact that diets, diets weren't my solution that, you know, and statistically speaking, that's true. 98 of percent of all diets fail. So I was one of those statistics. And it wasn't until I realized that there was an emotional connection with food that I had and started digging into that, seeing what that was about. Um, that's when I started really making progress and losing the 50 pounds. So that's interesting. You said that diets or 98% of diets fail. Is that just because, you know, people maybe are lacking discipline or just might be weak just because obviously the yo-yo effect and they do it for six weeks, then they go right back into their original ways of life and continue eating the chocolate and stuff. And they get it. Well, that's definitely, yeah, that's what people do, but it's like, why, like, why would they do that? Because these are, these are people who have discipline in all different areas in their life. They're professionals. They're, you know, people who have good control of their lives, but not of their food. And my experience is that statistic, I mean, that is a, that's a hardcore statistic. And I mean, there's dozens of studies that prove that. And um, I mean, a recent study in 2019 um, by the British Medical Journal, they, they followed um, 22,000 participants who are on one of uh, 12 diets, like of the big ones that people know of. And by one, the end of one year, everybody had put the weight back on, you know? So it's, it's really, it's an abysmal statistic. And yet that's what we think of. Oh, I'll go on a diet. Mm -hmm. So, um, the bottom line is diets treat the symptom. Okay. So overweight is a symptom of overeating. Typically overeating is a symptom of what's eating me. And so it's really important that we go there and look at that. Like, why am I going to the refrigerator five times of an evening? You know, what, what am I looking, what's going to change, you know, in that refrigerator, there's no magic, you know, button that puts new food there. So, um, you know, diets don't give us, they don't give us tools to cope with life. And typically when we gain weight, it's because we're using food to cope, cope with stress, cope with uncomfortable emotions uncomfortable situations we'd want to deal with. And so when it's our coping tool, when we use it to cope with life, and then, then we take the food away by going on a restrictive diet, we don't have our coping skill anymore. And so we can only 
last for so long before we're like crawling the walls and, and it gets really hard. I mean, when we first go on a diet, it's fun. It's like, oh, I'm losing weight, looking great. People are commenting. I'm fitting into better clothes, you know, the cute clothes in the back of my closet. But after a couple of weeks or, you know, three or four weeks, that pales, you know, and it gets really hard. And the, the why it gets hard is because here I am facing life with no coping tools. Like my main source of coping, which is burying my feelings with food is taken away. And you can only do that for so long and willpower will not last. It just will not last. And then it's like, I need, I need my, you know, I need to dull the edges of life. You know, I need to soften the edges. And so that's what food does for us, especially the ooey gooey chewy foods. You know, it's typically not salads that we're binging on. You know, it's the cookies, it's the candy, it's the chocolate um, and, and other things, wine and beer and pot. And, you know, I mean, there's lots of little addictive habits to go around, um, but food is such an accessible one and it's such a socially acceptable one. You know, we all joke about our, our favorite, you know, uh, binge foods, but um, for some people, it's it's pretty lonely. It's a pretty lonely condition because we typically do it. I mean, I would do it alone. You know, like I wouldn't binge in front of other people. I was civilized in front of other people, but um, on my own, I would go to town and then I'd feel disgusting and ashamed of myself. So it's a very secretive thing that a lot of people do. Um, and so it just increases our sense of isolation and sense of um, self-hatred, which then fuels the whole pattern all over again. So it can get pretty dark for people who are on the high end, more in the food addiction range. And, you know, I'll just mention right now uh, that I have a quiz on my website, which helps people determine if they're an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between. Okay. And so um, that's super helpful. It's a free quiz. It takes like two minutes to take, but it'll show you your personalized score and where you are on the spectrum. Cause I think we all, we can all over go overboard, you know, at Thanksgiving or holidays of some kind. Um, but it's really when it starts to really affect your health, affect your relationships, affect just your, your overall outlook on life and overall outlook on yourself, you know, about yourself. That's when it really starts to, take a bite out of you, so to speak. So you said food is so accessible here. I mean, do you think that's an issue with the American culture, American diet, just that, you know, wherever we go, we can easily just gain, get those ooey gooey foods, like you said, with no problems. And yeah, I mean, I think for me as an emotional eater, I could source yummy foods anywhere on the planet. (laughs) So I'm like, I'd find find my way, but, um, but I do, I mean, as a culture, we are definitely, you know, a super size me culture and, um, we, you know, the portions are huge. We go to Costco, we buy everything in bulk, you know, because we save money, but we end up ruining our health. You know, we just, we eat too much, we overeat. And so it's, you know, our plates are bigger. I mean, there's studies then shown that if you have a, if you eat with a smaller plate, you're going to eat less food. You know, I mean, there's some crazy studies around that. Um, But I think, and not to mention the sugar that's put in all the foods. I mean, there's sugar in everything nowadays. There's sugar in soups, there's sugar in dressings, there's sugar in sauces and, you know, ketchup and condiments and all these different things. And uh, I mean, spaghetti sauce, I mean, they put sugar in places, sugar doesn't belong, French fries, and, and, and we're hooked. You know, cereals, it's hard to even go to a food a store like Whole Foods, which is supposed to be so natural and healthy, and there's sugar in all their cereals as well. So, so we're hooked on sugar, and sugar is addictive, 
and it's been proven to be as addictive as cocaine or heroin. So we are an addicted nation. There's no question about it. So that doesn't help the situation. But at the end of the day, we can't blame the manufacturers. You know, they're they're responding to our addictive nature. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I do blame them to some degree. It's disgusting what they do. But I have to take responsibility for the fact that I emotionally am using food and, and that, you know, I can blame all day long, but what am I going to do about it? And that's where I have to address the emotional eating. Yeah, I agree that, you know, you can blame them, but you can't blame them. And, you know, like Steve Jobs even said that, you know, he didn't want his kids using screens. And even though obviously he's a CEO of <laughs> Apple and like all of the, those higher ups that they don't want him using screens just because of how the addictive nature of it. And yeah, people can just easily get addicted just to screens or and then go down, like even ruin their mental health, just even looking at Instagram models or seeing what people they're telling you to eat and so on and so forth. And no question. The whole rabbit hole down through there. Yeah. Um. So, you know, Will Smith said to get a small win or to do something big that you should just lay one brick perfectly then do it again and do it again. And it seems like, you know, we're talking about why diets fail. People plan on taking a shortcut and they don't, if they don't see the results in a week or two, they're immediately out. I mean, is that, how did you see your first win and know that you were making a change and going, making progress with yourself in this emotional eating? Yeah. Well, I had to get off the diet track and I know that's hard for some people to hear, probably you're listening, but you know, because the statistics are stacked against us, I, I, I really had to get out of the diet track. So I stopped um, jumping on the scale all the time because the scale became my higher power, you know, and my experience is if you give it the power to make you feel good, you also give it the power to make you feel bad. So I had to stop kind of bowing down to the scale and say, dear scale, like, like, oh, oh, powerful scale. What, how am I going to feel today? Tell me, you know, and so and, and the thing, the problem with the scale in my experience is if you've been working out and, and doing all you can and the scale doesn't like the needle doesn't move then you get discouraged and you want to quit doing the healthy things you're doing for yourself. Um, and if it tells you something you like, like you lost a few pounds, it gives you an excuse to eat, you know, and make up for what you just lost. So to me, it's a trap. And so I, I like, I only, you know, I, I honestly, personally, rarely uh, even look at the scale. I scale weighed this morning and um, I didn't look like, I just don't want to, I was at the hospital, but um, I, I don't like to look and see because it messes with my head. So what I focus on and what I teach my clients to focus on is self-care instead. Like let's shift the conversation away from the symptom of weight and uh, food and weight. Mm -hmm. And let's look at the real problem, which is why am I using this food and, and, and what can I do to change my life so that I'm not dependent on food. So food isn't my answer. You know, a lot of the stress eating we do is just that stress eating and we eat over stress. And so what I do and I teach my clients to do is really take a look at the stress in our lives and how much we're doing, how much we're packing into our schedule and finding time each day to start the day with um, what I call it, I put it, I call it putting money in your spiritual bank account. So start the day getting still and quiet before you go to the gym, before you just go hit it real hard, yeah. you know, let, let's take a little trip within and, and really build some stores inside, some spiritual stores, whatever somebody's, you know, spiritual preference is, doesn't really matter. Something that's meaningful to you, you know, could even be a walk in nature, but just get still and quiet and connected with yourself, with your divine spirit. 
And um, this helps because later in the day when stresses you know, pile up and we tend to reach for food, when that happens, we can reach from within. In, with, within. We can uh, basically take withdrawals on the money we put in our bank account, you know, our spiritual bank account. Sure. So that, that morning routine of spiritual readings, motivational readings, you know, maybe listening to a podcast that's super motivational. Um, so anything that just really fills your cup, you know, fills your cup, makes you feel, um, uh, fed spiritually. Cause we're, it's not food we're really hungry for. I mean, let's be clear. You know, I didn't need all the food that I ate. You know, I had a hunger that was deeper. That's why my company is called heal your hunger because my hunger was deeper, but I was feeding it with food and I was never fully satisfied. So I had to keep eating. So I find the spiritual nourishment to be really important. Also doing things as a, you know, in a community. So all my programs are done in community with other emotional eaters, because just knowing you're not the only one who's done the crazy things you've done with food is super, super important. So that's super, you know, important is to have community. And I'm sure it's true, you know, with the the CrossFit, of course, you know, that that when you do things in community, it makes it so much easier um, as well. So, um, but you, you asked about one small thing, I would say, uh, first things first, you know, create a little just sacred time in your morning, you know, just a little sacred time where you're not busy, where you're not like ricocheting off of the stresses of the day. Um, I think that's a really important thing. Um, and then another small step somebody can take, um, I would say is, um, I, I recommend something called three meal magic and, and different people have different recommendations, but for, for somebody who is an emotional eater, I find that eating three meals with nothing in between to the, be the most sanity producing, you know, if you just eat three meals and you don't snack, I mean, the snacky foods we eat are the, that's where our, the trouble comes from, right? The chocolate, the chips, the nuts, the candies, um, you know, that's where, that's where we get into trouble. That that's, those are the most fattening foods, those snacky foods. So if you just cut out snacking and you feed yourself three really solid meals, you know, good vegetables, good protein, good fats, uh, you know, if you do that, boy, oh boy, that's going to make a huge difference right there. And it's also going to make you super aware of how much you do emotionally eat. Cause you're like, oh my God, like this is, I'd be normally, you know, typically going to the kitchen right now, but I'm not. So then you start to recognize Gee, I am like in this habit of responding to my emotions, to uncomfortable feelings or from, you know, just a phone call I don't want to make or, you know, something I don't want to do or something I'm afraid to do. You know, we, we respond with food. We go just immediately go start munching, you know, and so just becoming aware of that can help a lot, but you have to, you have to have a plan that puts space in between your meals. So you have time and space to start recognizing what emotions might even be there. Sure. What do you, what are you talking about diets and everything and uh, three meals a day? What are your thoughts on intermediate fasting? Do you have any intermittent fasting? Um, yeah, it, IF is, you know, of course there's science behind that. I tried, I mean, I like what I read about it. I just know as an emotional eater, I can't do two meals. I've got to have three meals okay. because it feels more self-caring. It feels, you know, for the emotional eater or somebody who's done a lot of dieting, we have this alarm system inside this internal alarm system that if we go too long without eating, we, the alarms go off and we feel like we're starving, (laughs) you know, even though we're not, but it feels like danger, danger, you know, and then we overeat, we binge in response to that. And so I don't want to set myself up that way. 
So I recommend to people, if you like the science, if you want the benefits, do 12 hours, you know, between dinner and breakfast. That's not that hard to do, you know, eat, eat dinner at six, eat breakfast at, at six, uh, six or seven, 13 hours. You're still going to get some intermittent fasting benefit. But going 16 hours to me for an emotional eater, and again, that's an important qualification. Take the quiz, see where you are. If you're a two, three, or four on the quiz, you know, you're, you've got some emotional eating tendencies and you could have that alarm system go off. Um, and I just don't recommend it. You know, people are like, oh, but I want to, you know, hack my health. I want to live longer. But if you end up binging uh, when you open up your window, what have you accomplished? You know, you're better off. Slow and steady wins the race. Do the three meals with 12 hours in between dinner and breakfast and, and, and don't set up, set yourself up for binging. And you're going to, in the long run, do a lot more for your health. Hey, the holidays are here, whether we like it or not. So if you're looking for ways to skip to the trip to the post office and dodge all the hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. I know it's helped me out before. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip. And get discounts you can't find anywhere else like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Going to the post office instead of using stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Just going up a couple of floors? Sure, take the stairs. Walking up 30 flights a day? You could use a break. If you spend more time than a few minutes and week dealing with mail and shipping, Stamps.com is a lifesaver. You'll save so much time and money, you'll wonder why you didn't start sooner. So, save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with the promo code POD for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. I like that. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code POD. Have you ever read the book? diet cults i have not okay well essentially i haven't either so but essentially it, <laughs> it's about um how people do not want to talk or have these discussions along with diet and nutrition anymore and that people were it's almost like dogma they're so set in their ways that it almost becomes impossible to have a sit down discussion because they're so set in like oh i'm all about being a vegan i'm all about keto i'm all about vegetarian and they don't want to you know learn anything else they just want to learn yeah that. and then it might not even be working for them but they're just so like this is the way I got to be this is the way I mean do you experience that with your clients or anything yeah I mean here's the thing I mean my clients when they pay me money to help them stop emotionally eating and lose weight without dieting you know I tell them hey you pay the money you might as well do what I do what I suggest right yeah. it's, and I'm not dogmatic at all I, I don't give people a diet I say you know I say you could probably write a book on diets at this point, you know, with all the research you've done. I mean, when people struggle with food and weight, we're on a search. We're, so we're desperately looking for the, the magic bullet, you know, for that secret key. Sure. So I'm like, you know what to eat. You're not stupid. Salads are better than pizza. That's not news, you know? So, so it's like, what's the gap? The gap is how do you follow through on what you know? So you can know great information nutritionally, but if you're still drawn to pizza, chips, and candy, you know, cake, 
chances are, you know, there's something else going on there. You're using food. And let me just mention three different ways that people use food, just what so makes sense to people, like what I, I'm even talking about. Sure. So I call it the PEP test. And PEP is an acronym, P-E-P. And this is, you know, we know what foods do to us, but this is more how to look at what food is doing for us. How do we use food emotionally? What are those emotions? So my experience is the first P stands for painkiller. So we use food to anesthetize emotional pain. What kind of pain? Good Lord, there's plenty to go around. You know, you're in a job that doesn't fit you. You're in a relationship that should have ended five years ago. You know, you've got a kid who's dysregulated or won't get off their screens. You know, you've got a parent who's sick. I mean, again, life is not easy. So we have pain. Um, we have uncomfortable feelings and we will bury them with food. Okay. This is why the carbs and the sugar are so attractive to us because it's heavy, you know, and it, and it basically gives us the dopamine hit that we're looking for and it just kills the pain. Okay. That's the P in PEP, the E and the second letter E stands for escape. So we use food as a form of escape. And this was not this was no, there was never a time this was more true than, than in the pandemic, right? Like all of a sudden our whole lives are upended. We can't go out of the house without, you know, fearing we're going to die. And it's like, all of a sudden people are emotionally eating. And I had friends calling me who never even related to that before. Like Trisha, I'm an emotional eater. I can see it now, <laughs> you know, because it was just a scary time. It was a reality we all wanted to escape from. We didn't want to be in the reality that we were in. And so uh, that was, a, you know, again, a good example of how we use food, what food does for us. And the last uh, P in PEP stands for punishment, which seems counterintuitive because you know, our ooey gooey chewy foods tend to be a reward and we're all excited to eat them. And I, I would get my ice cream and my you know, cookies and I sit in front of my favorite TV show on a Friday night. I deserve this. I've, you know, worked all week, but I don't, I'd go overboard, you know, I'd eat way too much. I'd be totally stuffed to be crumbs down my sweater and I hate myself, you know, sure, I, agree. <laughs> I understand that. Right. And so I'm like, wait, that is not the reward I was looking for, but I did that to myself. So it begs the question, why would I do that? You know, my experience, uh, Chris, is that overeaters tend to be over feelers mm -hmm. and we feel guilty about everything. And so it's really important to see that, you know, we tend to beat ourselves up. Food is a really useful thing if we want to punish ourselves, you know, make ourselves feel bad. It's really easy to do. And then on top of it, then you're mad at yourself for doing what you did. And then it perpetuates the cycle all over again. Like, and you just, you keep going. So um, that's a really, that's something that happens a lot for emotional eaters. But does, that's just a way to explain kind of how we use food in an emotional way. For the first P is as a painkiller, then escape, and then punishment. So just, you know, for people to sort of tap in, like, what does she mean by that? You know, and, and you can take the PEP test when you are going to the refrigerator several times of an evening and say, wait a minute, like, what's going on? Is there something I don't want to feel? Is there something in my life that I want to escape from? Or am I feeling bad about something and I'm just trying to kind of add insult to injury here by, by beating myself up with food? Hmm. So that's kind of the differences between like, hey, is it physical or am I actually just becoming an emotional eater? Exactly. And that's where that space between the meals helps because if you're like at 10, if you had a really healthy breakfast at eight and at 10, 
you're going, I'm starving, which I do, you know, often. And then I'm like, and then I'm like, okay, Trisha, are really, are you starving? What's really going on? And then I'll, I'll do a little like check. I'll do a little check. What's really going on. And sure enough, it's a phone call. I don't want to make It's something that's bothering me. It's something that's tugging at me. So I can dig into that. But if I'm just snacking all day long and responding to my emotions with food, I'm not going to be able to notice what those emotions are and that I am using food in an emotional way. Hmm. That does make sense that, yeah, just, I don't know. Just people don't seem to realize that, you know, I cut out caffeine and alcohol last month for like sober October and that I didn't realize you know, that it was, I just drinking it just because it was something to do as far as coffee and everything, or is it something I felt like I really needed? And, you know, part of me, I mean, you, it, caffeine is addictive. We know that, but part of me, yes, it still is, uh, you know, I still want that cup of coffee. Even I, I continue the party still going, but, uh, yeah, I guess Good my for point, you. Yeah. I guess my point is, is that though, I actually learned that, oh, there is a difference between just what my mind's telling me that I want it or that do I actually really need it? Yeah, it's important. It's really, I mean, there's so much benefit to starting to tune in to our emotional selves. You know, we're so, we're so busy all the time. We're just on the run. We're going from one thing to the next and we stay very unconscious, you know, but that's how trouble starts. You know, that's how trouble in relationships starts. You know, when we're not paying attention, when we're on the move, when we're not taking time, we're not slowing down. It's so good for us to start to do that and to start cleaning things up so we're not constantly medicating our feelings. So congratulations. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it was just something me and my friends decided to do right at our gym and just to see if we could do it. And yeah, we did. There was a lot of positive benefits from it. And, you yeah. Know, I a lot. And, I didn't, and also, I didn't realize the amount of caffeine I was actually taking in that whole month. You know, I would have roughly two to three cups of coffee in the morning. And then plus maybe, I don't know, these little fit drinks that you're supposed to be drinking before workouts and stuff. And then yeah. random times, another cup of coffee. I was like, oh. Yep. It adds I, up. Yeah. But I was even still sleeping fine, but I didn't realize I was getting much better sleep without caffeine it took a that's beautiful yeah that's good you know people just gotta like you said take a step back learn about themselves learn what they're doing and you know one thing when people ask me at our gym like what do i eat and what do i do i I tell them first like hey write down everything you eat for a week no matter what it is yeah yeah if you had a handful of gummy bears or chips write it down and then go back because you know a lot of us like well i eat pretty healthy i do really well and then (laughs) when you go back and actually look at it oh maybe i don't it's true there's so much of it is unconscious yeah uh, what are your thoughts on uh, diet culture? I want to talk to you about that. I know we're kind of running close on time here, but yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I've kind of shared a little bit about how I feel about it. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not a fan. You know, I'm not a fan of dieting because because statistically it doesn't work. It can work for some people. Again, to me, the qualification is, are you an emotional eater? You know, if you're an emotional eater who needs food uh, you know, on an emotional level, if you're used to using food as a crutch, as your coping tool, the diet will not work. So don't like, just don't do it. It's like how many times you have to beat your head against the wall. I mean, I was up and down, up and down. And at some point I just was like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. It's so unhealthy, you know, and there's a much better way. And, you know, my experience with my clients, I mean, when they stop emotionally eating, they lose weight. And they're not trying to, if they've, they're stopped getting on the scale, like every other second, they're like, 
slowing down. They're starting to put meditation into their morning routine. They're starting to write their feelings out. They're starting to get more conscious and aware and integrated with their emotions, speak up for themselves. Cause there's some treats around emotional eaters that are very common. Like we don't speak up for the, ourselves. We're always so nice. We don't put boundaries in our time. We're doing, every, we're people pleasers. We do everything for everybody. So it's like, let's look at the living problem, not the eating problem. You know, we've got to have more space in our day for us, you know, and that's not an easy thing for people to do when we are used to caretaking and giving so much, but we, it's kind of like that, that trite, but pretty apt analogy of putting your oxygen mask on first. Like you got to take care of yourself, give yourself time, you know, to rest, to restore, to repair, um, and to connect, you know, um, in, internally with your, again, your divine spirit, like get, get connected and, you know, you're going to have such an easier time around food, but just beating your body up with, you know, diets. I mean, that's just, it's a short lived solution and you'll, you'll just ricochet back and that's not good for your body. Yeah. I was just wondering if just because diet culture seems to just a place like everybody should look a certain way. And this is what society has taught us. And that increases the emotional eating and the mental health, you know? Yeah. The pressure to, to look a certain way. I mean, there's no question. I mean, if you just go on Instagram, yeah. you know, I mean, you're going to get bombarded with that stuff. Nobody posts their, you know, their ugly pictures on Instagram. So, uh, real. <laughs> you know, but the thing is it's, it is our choice. Again, I like to take responsibility for whether I'm buying into that stuff, you know, so it's a challenge to find self-acceptance, you know, self-acceptance is not easy to come by because I, you know, we're, we are, I mean, I'm critical of myself and it, it took me years to get on my side, I like to be on team Trisha, you know, and start being really kind, have kind thoughts about myself, about my body, start to love the parts of my body that are just not going to change, you know? And so, um, and in coming to that place of self-acceptance is so, so important because the negative, uh, you know, taking on those negative messages, I mean, Society isn't really doing anything to me. Yes, there's tons of photoshopped photos. And for young people, that is really damaging. There's no question about it. Um, but it's, you know, how I feel about myself is a personal journey. And I have to sort of navigate my way through all that and come to love myself. And, and that's not an easy thing to do. It, it is a journey. I mean, I'm, I'm in my 50s. It's taken me a long time to come to really love and accept myself. But um, but it's a worthy journey, you know, it's a worthy journey. And I don't think anybody comes out of the shoot just, you know, just all perfect and thinking they're great. You know, I think it's, it's a struggle for all of us, you know, but, but in the process of coming to love ourselves, we just become better people. I believe better people, more compassionate. Um, you know, I think our flaws make us more compassionate and empathetic towards other people. And that's so important. Yeah, I mean, especially if people can just learn that about themselves, that, hey, you're not always going to be perfect, but just how it is. Absolutely. And I actually consider myself very self-critical as well, and I feel like it motivates me, though, too, just because, you know, if I screw up on here, if I screw up in a workout, or if I do go hard on some food over the weekend, it's just, okay, we know we made a mistake, let's get back on it. We'll fix it, you know. I'll yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I just started working out. I, I'm not a big exerciser, but I like doing bar bar work, um, like a bar class. And I just there was one that opened up near me, and I just got 
this like right on Thanksgiving day, actually, I went to my first class and in, in a year and a half, you know, I'm like, I'm just sick of being flabby. Like, let's just in, you know, and I'm not overweight, but I just, I don't feel as good as I could. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to improve. I mean, that's, that, that's not, you know, there's, it's a fine line, right. Between, you know, criticizing your body and just wanting to feel your best, you know, and I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel your best. What do you think people are scared of success? You know, they uh, start to see results and then people, you know, somebody like, Oh, well, you're looking too thin now. You know, you probably, cause that happened to me personally. Really? Yeah. Cause I went on a strict, you know, kind of a lean diet and I was getting told like, you know, and I'm not overweight by any means, but I was told that, Oh, you, you, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be losing weight. Why are you doing this? And it was just the thing to see if I could do it and to see how I would feel. And yeah. Well, yeah. And, and we have to remember that it's, you know, weight loss is a really tricky thing and it triggers a lot of feelings in other people. So there's saboteurs out there who, if, you know, the person who always was struggling with weight starts to lose weight, it makes other people uncomfortable. It's like, no, you're the loser. You know, I'm the one you're always turning to for advice. And all of a sudden you're getting it together. What is, you know, it kind of threatens my position of being, you know, your, your coach or your, you know, the person who's always got it together. Um, and, and it can, and if somebody's not on their game, they're going to be a little threatened by somebody else getting on their game. So there's a lot of mixed stuff that goes on there. I don't really think it's anybody's right to comment on our weight. Like, I just, I kind of like, you know, keep it to yourself. Like, it's not, it's my body's not up for discussion here. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, let that be between me and my, my God, my doctor, my God, my coach, whatever, but not, not you, like you don't get to comment. So it's, we got to draw a line there sometimes because, and pe- I know people might mean well, or at least consciously they mean well, maybe subconsciously they've got some of their own stuff going on, but I just think it's really important that we just let people do what they need to do. Of course, unless there's something they need some kind of intervention, you know, with anorexia or bulimia or something like that, then that's, that might be a different story. But even then it has to be somebody who's safe to them that, that might step in. Yeah. Well, people love to be, you know, I'm generalizing here, obviously, but people love to be negative. It's almost a cool thing to do in society and culture that they love to throw shade and just, and it's almost just because they have a weak character and just to make themselves feel better. Totally. Yeah. They throw it on somebody else. So yeah. um, Stay away from those people. Yeah, exactly. Cut (laughs) out of your life at all means. Um, all right. We're getting uh, short on time here. Um, Last question. How long did it take you to write the book? I'm always fascinated by authors. Oh, my Heal Your Hunger book. Uh, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. I, I just recorded it on Audible last year during the pandemic. Um, it's a five hour read, so to speak, if you buy it on audible, but buy both because there's cool cartoons that won't, that don't come through an audible in the book, some great cartoons, but, um, the book took, it was a 10 year journey, to be honest. It was a 10 year journey. I had to work out some personal stuff in order to get that book out and feel really proud of it. So, um, you know, I'd like to tell you it was super easy, but it wasn't, it was, it was a journey. It was a, it was you know, put yourself out there like that. Put your, I mean, my personal stories in the book, as well as my whole method is in the book. And um, yeah, it was, it was a very personal journey, but I'm super proud of the book now. You know, I'm super happy about it and, and people get tremendous benefit from it. That's great. Um, okay. So if people want to find you, they want to find the book, they want to do all that jazz. 
What do they do? Yeah, healyourhunger.com, H-E-A-L, healyourhunger.com. And that's where the free quiz is. So you can find out immediately if you're an emotional eater or a food addict. Um, get a personalized score. Uh, Instagram is Trisha Nelson uh, underscore at the end of Nelson. Um, so Trisha Nelson, I have really cool... Um, Every day, we've got some really good content that we put out. And also, you can join my Facebook group, which is The Secret Sauce to End Emotional Eating Now. It's a, it's a free but private group for emotional eaters. Great. All right. Well, all right, everyone. That's where you found her. Oh, and my podcast. I have a, I have a podcast as well, The Heal Your Hunger Show. <laughs> Another podcast. All right. Good. Um, anything else? No. Thanks for having me. All right. This was fun. Um, okay. We're out of here, people. Uh, go read and all that good stuff. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.